Hey, it's your girl Kay. Welcome back to Through It All. We are back with another episode and I am so glad that you have taken time out to stop by and check out the podcast. If this is your first time, welcome, welcome. And I hope that you will go back and you will check out the first episode from last week, Turning My Pain Into Purpose. This is so exciting and I am just grateful that... um. I am alive and that I survived domestic violence so that I can be able to be a voice and a face to help the next person. It's not about me. It really isn't about me. I don't do this for likes. I don't do this for any clout. I do this because God chose to see fit for me to survive. So surviving domestic violence means that I still have purpose. When I tell y'all I should have been dead, I should have been killed at the hands of my abuser, I should have drive. Die, I'm sorry, I should have died from a drug overdose, died in a car accident. There's so many things that should have taken me out while I was in my abusive relationship. Oh, but God, you know, he, he saved me. So I have no other purpose except for to give him glory and to help the next person. Um, also, I wanted to say if you joined me last week and you decided to subscribe and come back, thank you. Thank you so much. It means a lot to me. Um, This is not something that's easy to do by far. It takes a lot to, uh, first of all, say that you're going to use your voice and you're going to speak out not only in your circle, but to the world and that you're going to be brave enough to put it out there and be prepared for the backlash or be prepared for someone sharing it with your abuser and, you know, you having to take um, being criticized for it. But I'm I'm grateful and I'm glad that I am using my voice. Um, I also would like to ask you to share the podcast with someone. You know, by sharing this, you never know who you may help. Um, somebody might hear you listening to it in your car, or you may just speak about it at work or something. But please share, because so many people do not have an outlet. So many people do not have anyone. So many people think that they're alone. So, and thank you for all the calls, the text messages, and feedback. As you know, when you step into something outside of your comfort zone, it's a little scary. And you have to worry about the what-ifs. But, you know, I had to get out of that space because when it's given to you by God, you have to remember that fear is not of God because he has not given you the spirit of fear. So I had to shake that off and roll with it, y'all. So thank you, everyone, for your support. Domestic violence is real. It is so real. And it's not and it's just not discussed enough. As I said last week, you know, we get one month. We get October to talk about domestic violence awareness. And when you think of domestic violence awareness, you don't think that it has a month. You don't think that there's anybody talking about it. But Domestic Violence Month is um, also in October. October is also Breast Cancer Awareness Month. So it gets overshadowed. But personally, I feel that domestic violence needs more than a month. It needs a day every day. Someone somewhere needs to speak out about domestic violence seven days a week, 365 days a year. And I have committed myself to doing that, whether it's via social media, um, whether it's talking to somebody, whether it's going to a shelter. Every day of my life, I will mention something about domestic violence awareness, hoping that it will spark a fire 
into someone else to let them know, hey, I'm not alone. I don't deserve this. And this is not right. Um, it, it's funny because it needs to be talked about, but it's not. It's not talked about in the schools, really. It's not talked about really in the churches, the workplace. It needs to be talked about everywhere. It's it just kept so hush-hush. So how will people know that there's resources out there? How will people know that there is someone that's also suffering or that has suffered, that can identify with them, that can help them if no one speaks out, if it's not being shared? We, as a society, we just hush things so much. We just have a tendency to push it under the carpet and hope that um, somebody else will talk about it or it will get it'll get um, ignored altogether. We can't continue to do that, guys. We can't continue to keep this this silent because it's a silent killer. That's what I call domestic violence. I call it the other silent killer. So speak up and speak out. And if I can be honest, there were times that I did not think I would survive. But glory be to God, I did. And that's why I speak up and speak out. So that I may encourage the next woman or man to get help and get out. All right, guys, I'm going to go ahead and jump in. Um, Today's topic is silent suffering. And this podcast will always begin and end with scripture. Today's scripture comes from Isaiah 41.10. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And the reason why I start with scripture is because it's only by the grace of God that I'm here. I had to put my faith in the only place that I knew was never ending. The only place that I knew that I could turn to. And that was to my father. I had to get into the scripture. I had to um, stand on his promises. The worst thing you can do is suffer in silence and go through alone. And I already know what you're going to say. Then who can I turn to? I have been there. I was too busy trying to hide my abuse from everyone until eventually I was going insane. Y'all, when I tell you I didn't know if I was going or coming, I became the best liar during my abusive relationship. My entire life was just a lie. I lied to myself, telling myself that it was my fault, that I somehow made this man treat me this way. Everything. I never wanted to blame him for it. You know, for what he did, I always, well, maybe I did look at someone the wrong way, or maybe if I had combed my hair this way, or maybe if I had lost a few more pounds, maybe if I had just listened to him, this wouldn't be happening to me. I lied to my children. I was telling my children that the fighting was going to stop. And if it didn't stop, we were going to leave. You know, mommy's going to get us out of here. But y'all, the truth is, I had no one or no place to run to. At least I did not think I did. I lied to my friends, saying that I was having seizures at night that caused my bruises. How many seizures can you have in a week? And how many seizures can cause scratches on your neck? How many seizures 
can cause you to look like you just been in the fight with Muhammad Ali. I lied to my family. Baby, when I talk to my family on the phone, I put up the best front anytime I talk to them. I had them thinking I was the happiest woman in the world, that I was living the life. I refused to let them know any different. Even in church, I lied to my church members. Because, see, I never wanted it to get back to his family that I was talking about him at the church. We all went to the same church. And that was their church first. I was a never I was a new member. I was a member because I was a part of the family and I joined the church, but that was their church. And when I finally did open up to my pastor and t- and told him what was going on, the pastor told me to stay and work out on it a little longer. Really? Yeah, excuse me, Pastor, but how long do I stay? Do I stay until you're standing on my over my castig? talking about a good person that I was and that I lost my life to domestic violence to you reading my eulogy? No, that's not what it's going to be about. Help me. So when people in the church say that they don't know who to turn to, I feel you on that because the first thing that you hear is, let's try to work it out. I was lying to my coworkers. And the reason why I lied to my coworkers is because they all knew me as this strong woman and support system for so many of them. How could I be lifting them up and giving them advice when I was going through hell at home myself? <laughs> but I did. If you know me, you know that I'm always going to encourage the next woman. I'm always going to encourage the next person because that's how my heart is set up. And even though some of them were my closest friends and they knew the truth, they still depended on me when they needed support. I could go into work and be hurting. I could go into work and be sad. But if one of my coworkers or one of my friends came to me and they needed me, I put that aside. I was never too hurt to help the next person. My doctors. When I wound up... um, in the hospital for five days, and the doctor wanted to know how I had internal bleeding so fear, so severe that I needed a blood transfusion. And that um, once they did an x-ray on my face, they found bone fragments floating around in my left eye. They said it had been there for a while. I simply said it must have happened when I passed out before coming to the ER. The look she gave me, like, yeah, okay. First of all, It was an old wound. Second of all, we don't see any history of your seizure activity. Let's just get that straight, Miss Ryan. What did I tell her? Oh, no, then it must have been in my records from my other um, doctor out of state. You know, I'm not from here. So I lied to everybody about the abuse that I was suffering. Every day of my life was a lie. Silent suffering. Because I felt that if I lied about it and put up that facade, no one would ever know. I lied about my happiness. The people on the outside looking in thought I had the life. When we were out, the attention was focused on him. Whatever he wanted, I would make sure he had. I was always up on him, all up under him. Never wanted to leave his side. He was still my safe space. 
And no matter what or how he talked to me, how he treated me, I was still committed. You ever been so committed to something that you know you've lost yourself in? You know that you don't even recognize yourself when you look in the mirror and you'd be like, man, how can I be so committed to someone who treats me so bad or something? He could have just called me all kinds of bees or he could have just put his hands on me the night before. But I was still live that lie that I was happy and there was nothing going on. I lied about my drug addiction. I was a functioning cocaine, y'all. When I tell y'all, I was a functioning cocaine addict. Yeah. I had never done drugs in my life. Well, wait, the smoking weed count? Okay, so so I can't say I never used drugs before, but I had never used any type of hard drugs. I, I don't know if one drug is better than the other, but at that time, I was so green, y'all. I had no clue. And when people asked me about it, I lied about him introducing me to cocaine on my 29th birthday. Yeah, that was love. I'll never forget that night. Because he said I was too drunk and I needed to sober up. And he said he was going to introduce me to something. Oh boy, he did. Glory be to God. I got to stop. I got to give God glory. Because when I did escape, I was able to escape and not have to use rehab or any of that. Um, as I said, I was a functioning cocaine addict. Doing cocaine was a part of the abuse. If we did coke. I knew he would love on me. He wouldn't fight me that night. Everything would be good until we work, woke up the next morning and we were broke. But if I can stay up for 24 hours and we can have a good time, we can party, we can drink, we can make love, we can do all this stuff and you don't fight me and you're happy with me and I'm your queen again. Yeah, I did it. <laughs> when I look back on it, it, it was fun, it, but it was more of a safety net, a security blanket. I did what I had to do to survive. And I love that man. I'm not going to sit up here and say, oh, no, he shoved it on my face. He made me do it every night. But when I found out that I had something that would pacify him and that would pacify the relationship and that would keep some calm, yes, I indulged. I would indulge in coke every day if I had to, to, to keep the peace. The biggest lie that I told, I lied about him loving me. I lied about how he treated my children. I just lied, y'all. My entire life during that relationship was one big lonely lie. A silent sufferer. Being abused was degrading enough. So opening up about it and having people judge me, I didn't want that. People are so quick to judge you without even knowing. And they're so quick to give you their opinion. Oh, you should just leave. Oh, you should do this. Or, oh, well, what did you do? Why did you stay for so long? You know, a lot of people have the tendency to turn it around on the abused and not the abuser. A silent sufferer. There were people on the outside looking in that had, that you know, they had some ideas but they never knew how bad it really was for me. People never really know. And mentally, physically, emotionally, financially, 
sexually, verbally, you name it, I experienced it. There is no one um, type of abuse that's better or worse than the other. Abuse is abuse. Abuse is abuse. And when you find yourself abused daily, he don't have to put, he or she does not have to put their hands on you to abuse you. When I tell you that somebody can have your mind so wrapped up, mentally, you're drained. Emotionally, when you don't know how to feel, you don't know if you should be happy today. You don't know if you should be sad. You don't know what's coming. You don't know what emotional attacks they're going to um, present to you. Financially, when you have to depend on them because they make more money or they have all of the funds tied up that you have to ask. Or for me, for instance, I couldn't keep a job <laughs> when I tell you. Sometimes my ex will walk into my job and say, she quits. Let's go. And at first I thought that was cute. Oh, okay, let's go. I would grab my stuff because he came in and said, she quits. One, <clears throat> excuse me, one job I was so excited and so happy because I didn't want to work there anymore but I didn't have I didn't have the nerve to say I wanted to quit and the holidays came around and he was in town so what did he do he walked in and he told my boss you'll be working Christmas she won't get your stuff let's go I happily obliged did I had I known that I was the first of many I would have stayed my behind right behind that desk where I was at what if you don't view your relationship as toxic or what if you don't review, you don't see it as being um, abusive? So many of our behaviors are products of our environments, of our upbringing. Okay, what are you talking about? What does this have to do with someone staying in an abusive situation when they know what's wrong? Well, do they really view it as as an abnormal relationship? Do they really view it as abusive? Or do they see it as normal? Okay, hold on. Stay with me real quick. What I'm talking about are learned behaviors. Following what mom and daddy told you to do. Now, this next line, we all know this. This is universal. What goes on in this house? Come on, finish it with me. I, I hear you. I hear you. What goes on in this house stays in this house. And if he's making majority of the money providing for you and the kids' everyday needs are met, controlling everything about the relationship, what do you do? You find yourself stuck. You find yourself stuck because of fear and the lack of knowledge of the resources available. An abuser will have you believing that no one cares for you. You can't leave them. They will have you more afraid to leave them than to stay. Remember last week, I talked about the narcissist. If you missed it, I need you to go back and listen. That is very important. Um, research shows that on average, it takes a victim seven times, seven times to try to leave an abusive relationship permanently. In addition, the most dangerous time for a survivor of domestic abuse is when he or she leaves the abused partner, the abusive partner, I'm sorry. 75% of domestic violence-related homicides occur upon separation. 
And according to the Center for Relationship Abuse Awareness, seven times is what it takes. Hmm. I know for me, when I was deciding that it was enough, I called the shelter three times. I called the shelter three times. I canceled on the shelter three times. I packed my car five times. I unpacked my car five times. I said I was going to leave 15 times if it happened again. 15 It took me over 30 times to say, okay, enough. I got to go. I'm going to go ahead and end with this tad bit of info for my Denver peeps today. The Denver, the Denver Domestic Violence Crime Report last updated this Thursday, January 27th. Domestic violence involving juveniles are not included in this data. And that has some effect. It has a lot of effect. Um, I'm going to touch on that pretty soon because domestic violence is happening younger and younger. Domestic violence crimes are up this month, 141 compared with last month, 136. <clears throat> Excuse me. And up this year over the same time period last year. Denver has had 83 domestic violence crimes reported so far this year. An average of 97 per month. That's 3.2 per day. The monthly crime average in January will be higher than the reported crimes for the month. And the most domestic violent crimes any neighborhood in Denver has had this year is Civic Center. The average number of domestic violence crimes per neighborhood this year is 1.6. Again, guys, I tell you, domestic violence is real. If you or someone you know is suffering from domestic violence, call the toll-free 24 Domestic Violence Hotline. It's 1-800-799-7233. If you are afraid, if you think that you can't do this on your own, you can. There are resources. I wish someone had told me about resources. Maybe I would have left earlier. Maybe I wouldn't have. But there is help. And you do not deserve to be going through that. Or your close friend does not deserve to be going through that. We all try to hide. We hide our marks. We hide our, we hide our sadness. If you see someone and you think they may be experiencing domestic violence, speak up. Speak to them. They may get angry. They may get upset. They may curse you out and ask you who you think you are. What makes you think I'm going through domestic violence? But nine times out of ten, your intuition may be right. Y'all, I want to thank you for joining me today. I want to thank you for coming back and listening to the podcast. Please share. It may help someone. I hope that I was able to help you or give you um, just a little more insight into domestic violence. 
And next Saturday, we will be tackling another topic. Today, I want to leave you with Joshua 1 and 9. Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Love and blessings to everyone. And remember, there is life after domestic violence. Again, the toll-free, 24-hour toll-free domestic violence hotline number is 1-800-799-7233. Until next time, guys. God bless.